God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And uh, if Biden's numbers aren't tanking already, which they are, uh, they're going to tank even further. Hey, uh, somebody said that uh, if COVID was a gun, Biden just shot him, shot himself. And uh, I, gu- I guess it was... Uh, Jesse Waters got in trouble for using the phrase the kill shot, right? But in different context. Only to find out that CNN, who was blasting him for it, uh, was using the kill shot phrase over and over again. But, uh, you know, the Democrats, what's good for thee is not good not good for me or whatever the phrase is. They... Uh, it, if they had, uh, if they didn't have double standards, they wouldn't have any standards at all. Um, it's all of those things rolled up into one. But the phrase that uh, is truly going to do Joe Biden in is is this one that he uh, said yesterday. I mean, this has got to. They're not even trying. See, here's what it is. They're not that stupid. That they are so above the law, they are so out of uh, touch, and they're so in a bubble that uh, the problem is they feel like they're untouchable. They could just say and do anything. They get cavalier, they get arrogant, like Dr. Fauci and his arrogant attitude. This guy has been wrong so much. Dr. Fauci, 50 years of medical professional virology. How in the world does he get it this wrong? The CDC has come out and they said, if you test positive, it's no longer 10 days quarantine. It's five days. Got to keep the planes moving. The airline industry is saying their HEPA filters in their cabins are the safest place on earth. You don't need a mask. Yet people are still fighting on the on the airlines. The latest was uh, 
an Oak, a former Oakland Raiders cheerleader that is now a real estate uh, person, attacking an 80-year-old man, spitting him on him, drawing blood off of his face, scratching his face. A Karen, a libtard, basically saying to the guy, wear a mask when the guy was eating. Not supposed to wear a mask when you're eating. But she wasn't wearing a mask, but it was good enough for It's okay for her. They've lost all aspects of self-awareness. The left has gone off the rails. And they've lost all a semblance of aware, self-awareness. All because they, what, hated mean tweets? Our country is so divided, and it's not Trump's fault. Our country is divided because Trump basically reversed the shenanigans that they were pulling. All the progress that they were trying to make by pulling the wool over everybody's eyes with this political correctness running amok and allowing these stupid arguments about reparations and Black Lives Matter and all this stuff, this equity and social justice to get in the way of equality and personal responsibility. Think about what I just said. You know, it's Kamala Harris that wants to get into this whole thing about equity and she's embracing Kwanzaa and she's talking about you know, Jussie, she's friends with Jussie Smollett. And the time's up. BS. And all this reparations and defunding the police and allowing a person with a political skin color, melatonin, to get away with murder while throwing the book at people that want to wave their flag and praise... Uh, support their president in the face of unprecedented election rigging. We have come to a place in America where we are in trouble. The West is in trouble. But the one thing that I think is happening right before our eyes is their dreams and their goals are are starting to fall apart. They're starting to unravel. Because actually elections do have consequences. I think they are afraid of what they're going to get and see. They're afraid of what's going to happen post-2022. Adam Schiff, President Biden, or Biden, I don't want to call him a president. He's not presidential material. He's never been a president. The people that are running the Oval Office right now are from the Brookings Institution and the Atlantic Council and some of these other think tanks in Washington. They all get together with their softball teams. and They're all on the same team. We're just talking about that over the holidays about how there was a little bit of a feud going on between um, these uh, different think tank groups. All with these beautiful buildings, by the way. You know, there's uh, just these beautiful buildings 
that are established and built for the think tankers. But all these think tank people are radically left. They're left wingers. They occupy all these beautiful buildings and they literally run our country with their ideas, with their money and their support. And that's how Biden got elected without ever even having a campaign. Did Biden have a rally? No. Did he work hard the old-fashioned way and earn the support of his people? No. Trump did. Trump answers every question. Trump doesn't make a fool out of himself. Trump had great foreign policy. Trump had great economic numbers. Great labor participation rate. What America is based on, is built on, is the American worker working their way up the ladder. Trump gave everybody an opportunity to do that. But according to Nancy, uh, according to Kamala Harris and people like Joe Biden and their think tanks, self-responsibility Personal responsibility and equality would unravel every single thing that they were pushing, which was which was more like this equitable tra- uh, equitable balance, equitable balance. And they started with the low hanging fruit, which would be Black Lives Matter, black people in general, equity. And the difference between equity and equality was really about, well, actually it was this this ad where uh, Kamala Harris was pushing this ad and she said, the difference between equality and equity is that say you both get, say you both get, uh, you know, nice assets. The poor, the haves and the have-nots both get something. You know that whole phrase about the rising harbor raises all ships. But if one ship starts out at a lower dock in life and the other ship starts out at a higher dock in life, there's still going to be this disparity in terms of the haves and the have-nots. It's just going to be at a different playing field, a different hierarchy, different octave. And you say, okay, so what? Everybody's happy. Everybody's able to eat. What is the role of the government? The role of the government is to make sure that, you know, the roads are solid and the infrastructure is good, the the borders are safe. But you're not supposed to put a silver spoon in my mouth. You're not supposed to level the playing field. Otherwise, you know, how are you going to have excellence? If everybody wins a trophy, why would anybody ever try to innovate? to cut corners or to find a faster time, work harder to achieve more. So there's this big, huge debate, you know, where Kamala Harris hates the word equality but loves the word equity. But equity is something that China would do, communist China. It's where every single person wears the same exact uniform goes through the same curriculum, say Common Core or something like that, that the education uh, radical left was pushing, to where you only go at the pace of the slowest student. 
Everybody ends up with a trophy at the end and there's no innovation. It's exactly why China steals our intellectual property because they have no intellectual prowess. It's why they go to our universities in our country because we think outside the box. For many, many decades, China was crucified. Chinese citizens would be crucified for thinking outside of the box. For fear it might lead to something troublesome. You might get this idea that the President Xi is not such a great guy or that the Uyghurs aren't such bad people. And that Hong Kong maybe should have their independence. And that Taiwan should be able to be its own country and trade on its own. Forget about this one China business. It's all self-serving for China. God forbid you get your own ideas. So you put them in this school and you indoctrinate people and you give them all equity. And equity is not the same as equality. Martin Luther King really did have it right when he talked about the color of one's, not the content of one's character is more important than the color of one's skin. <clears throat> but tell that to the people that are embracing Kwanzaa these days, and it's Kamala Harris. She happens to be the vice president of the United States right now, on paper. She can't do anything but, you know, Swank around with a bunch of uh, people. I mean, she is such a such a lousy human being, and she got zero percent of love from her base, and the numbers are the same. I mean, uh, in terms of um, approval ratings, they're virtually the same with regard to she and uh, the president or, or Joe Biden. Say what you want about Trump, but, you know, he threw political correctness out the window. We're going to say anchor babies. We're going to say that bad people are coming through the southern border. We're not going to be politically correct. And that, you know, you got to work hard. And, you know, so many people were starting to get it. And they saw that as, you know, the unraveling of their political correctness was part of their indoctrination, as was their common core, and as was all these other things, defunding the police, dividing uh, the black race before they divided America. They divided, uh, they took Black Lives Matter and made it so the radical left and the radical and the conservative black folk were divided. Throwing out the, discarding the need for the black conservative voter, which was only about 30%, so they hedged their bets. And they went with the 70% of the black population to guarantee their votes by waging a war between the two sides within the same community, the black community. And then they brought in the police. This was all by design. And they started talking about defunding the police and abolishing ICE and opening the borders and taking away our land. And that pitted, and it was so obvious and blatantly unarguable 
meaning that there's no debate here as to who's right and who's wrong. It's our property, our land. We're allowed to put a fence up around our property. A country without borders is not a country. Everybody knows these things. And somehow we just sat there and watched it happen while people like Elizabeth Warren were starting to create these rumblings and Hillary Clinton was giving these speeches at Goldman Sachs and talking about open borders and abolishing ICE and doing away with the police. As cocky many as that would sound, what it was designed to do wasn't in principle to, to, to reimagine policing. It was to gaslight Americans and to divide Americans. And that somehow the black populations fell for this, saying, yeah, I think we're, we're ha- having too many black men incarcerated. Well, stop committing the crimes. Nobody's twisting your arm saying you got to put a cap in some other dude's head for some jewelry. Nobody is saying to do that. Nobody's twisting their arm. But this experiment to win power has fallen short for the Democrats and has left a disaster. It's, it's not much different. What the Democrats have done to our country in the last 10 years, whether it be to tarnish the presidency, to rig elections and destroy fair elections, and to criminalize these inner cities. And why Democrats continue to drink the Kool-Aid and, and vote this way is beyond me. Because I know way too many smart Democrats that just are acting sheerly, purely stupid when it comes to their votes. I know many smart people, well-educated, Harvard-educated, Georgetown educated. I know them. Successful. They got the million dollar home. They got the six figure salaries. And they're liberals. I don't understand how they can vote for Biden simply because they don't like Trump's mean tweets. But that they did. And here we are with this mess. It's no different than a smash-and-grab job where the burglars come in, smash all the, the glassware, and there's nothing but a pile of rubble left behind, and then they set the damn thing on fire. It's really where we are right now in America. We're on fire. And the only reason why we're not saying ouch is because it's a virtual fire. It's not even real. But we're destroying ourselves. Partly because the conservatives are allowing it to happen and the liberals will do anything for power and their flock, their followers, don't do their own research. They don't think outside the box. And they're like zombies. Isn't, it, isn't the Chinese army or the Chinese citizen like a zombie? Isn't it when you have equity rather than equality, you're more like a zombie? You're just a 
a person with the same haircut, the same uniform, marching in line, drinking the Kool-Aid, being told what to do, following orders, and not ruffling any feathers, not stepping on anybody's toes, just to get along. And that's exactly what they're trying to do with this COVID mandate, too. There's so many people that are taking the jab because they have to. They're, they're afraid of what the government was going to, going to do to them. They're afraid to lose their job and that they won't be able to find another one. They don't know what the future brings. But we could change all that. We know the answers are that we have the numbers. We're 330 million people. We could put a stop to this today. And I think that's sort of what's happening right now. Right now, I think that what's happening is the Democrats bit off more than they could chew. They destroyed everything, but they didn't really fully get what they want. They're afraid of what's going to happen in 2022. And consequently, 2024, where Trump will come back and be president for four years. That'll bring him to 2028, and we'll get someone like DeSantis in 2028. And we'll never go back to the Democrats because they don't even have a party that thinks at all. They're no longer the Kennedy Democrat, the rational, reasonable Democrat. And 28, 2028 rolls around to 2032, and that person gets reelected, say it's DeSantis. And that brings us all the way to 2036, folks. By then, we'll have a conservative court like no other. We'll have conservative federal judges throughout the land. The circuit courts will be more conservative than ever before. And our Constitution will, be, have, will have been protected as a result of that. Our Senate won't be packed. Our courts won't be packed. We won't discard our Constitution. We'll cherish it and honor it. Our military will be strong. We'll have new bilateral deals. Our foreign policy will be commonsensical. We'll be energy independent again. And we'll be safe from harm coming through our open southern borders. We'll be the envy of the world again. We'll be the leader of the world again. This all started in 2008 with Obama. And it probably even started before that when the Bushes placated to the radical Muslims. Remember in the wake of 9-11, we were told to not lash out, to not break bad and uh, call out the radical Islamic jihadis for what they were. We don't want to make this a religious war. We, don't. we should have been left to exercise our own feelings and, and, and voice our own opinions based on what we can see right in front of our own eyes. We were told to be better than that. I don't think that panned out too well. I think being open and honest and free to say what you want, regardless of feelings, is exactly what political correctness uh, was the counter to. 
sometimes, you know, when you talk about couples, sometimes a good fight, a good argument is actually necessary. It's when you have these people that don't talk to each other, that don't get emotional, that don't stretch that rubber band or peel that onion and solve that problem. Sometimes that's the worst because it festers. And sometimes being emotional and getting it out there and exploding and bursting isn't such a bad thing. You know, you take a look at what's going on today and now you got the government freely admitting that they don't have a federal solution. It's basically the virtual COVID gun that basically Biden just shot himself in the head with. This COVID, virtual COVID gun. This is the end. You know, the one area where uh, Biden had decent, like average poll numbers was COVID. How you doing with foreign policy? You suck. He got lousy numbers when it came to foreign policy. We were told that 50 years of diplomacy and statesmanship was going to get us great foreign policy. Got us nowhere near that. The best foreign policy maker I've ever seen was Donald J. Trump. We got the Paris Accord. We got out of the Paris Accord. We got the Abraham Accord. We got the, you know, the Abraham Accord, peace in the Middle East. We, uh, For years I've been saying ISIS is not even a force to be reckoned with. I mean, you could just wipe the floor with them. And of course we did. And we made a nice by neutralizing you know, with uh, Saudi Arabia while neutralizing the power in Iran. We stood up to North Korea. And we stood up to China. And we helped Brexit along by doing the exact opposite of what Obama said he was going to do. Obama said to the Brexit voters and to the English people, well, you'll be at the back of the line when it comes to deal-making. Buffoon. President Trump said, we'll, we'll have priority deals with England. Trust me, you'll be happy. You'll get better deals than with the multilateral uh, European Union deals. And he guaranteed it. Of course, all that's gone now, but we're going to get it back. It starts in 2022, but it starts today. What happened yesterday when he said there's no federal solution, that was a big deal. That was a big deal. And it was absolutely essential that we, you know, pay attention to what's going on. So let's take a listen to what, it was a real quick clip. But let's take a listen to what this buffoon, Joe Biden, said. On hospitalizations, let me start with this. Oh, actually, this is the longer version of that clip, but it's the one where he says there's no federal. Here's the, here's the uh, five-second uh, clip you need to hear. Look, there is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. Look, there is no federal solution. This gets solved at the state level. Who is the mastermind of the federalism? Trump. Trump was the one that said the states should be handling all of this. This is a state issue. Trump has been on the bandwagon of more power to the states. 
and let the states compete for populations. If you don't like the state you're in, move to a different state. Let the states compete. If they want their GDP to go down the tubes, fine. Shut it down. Close it down. Do whatever you want to do with COVID. But I'm going to get up and I'm going to move to Florida, Texas, or someplace else. And then eventually, you know, these state local elections have consequences and meaning. All politics is local, we've heard. It's true. If you really want to know the politicians, you know, it starts at the local level and it works its way up. Federalism is a good thing. Decentralizing Washington and federal, that's why he's given up on, you saw what the federal government can't do with COVID, right? Well, guess what? That same federal government would have failed with regard to H.R. 1 in that election, voter voter rights uh, laws that they were trying to pass. Of course, it's not voter rights laws, it's voter fraud laws. But see, the federal government failed, Amtrak failed, post office failed, everything they touch fails. The private sector always does better. Ayn Rand was right about that. Ayn Rand and Atlas Shrugged was all about privatization of our infrastructure. Let the private industry do it. You know, that's why I think that medicine would be best if it was more privatized. Yes, regulated, but privatized. Regulations to create certain guarantees like pre-existing conditions and certain inalienable rights are protected. Human rights are protected. But we didn't have to go with Obamacare to get all this done. It seems like there's a lot of middlemen in the way with Obamacare. This healthcare.gov thing. And then it's, it's very confusing right now. And we're still in a bad place when it comes to our, our, our medicine and health insurance. And it's because the government got involved and the government acted like a broker and the government broke it. What do brokers do? They break things. Brokers break things. They get in the way, they get in the middle, and they break things. So, you know, Kamala Harris made a promise. Uh, she tweeted this out 11, uh, November 2nd, 2020. This is before the election. The first thing Joe Biden and I will do in the White House is get the virus under control, she said. This is 2020. And then, according to the Daily Mail, just yesterday, Biden tells governors there is no federal solution on COVID and it should be solved at the state level. Of course, that's exactly what Trump always advocated for. Here's the longer version of this. Because we have had so many vaccinated and on hospitalizations, let me start with this. Because we have had so many vaccinated and boosted, we're not seeing hospitalizations rise as sharply as we did in March of 2020 or even this past fall. Americans, America had, had made progress. Things are better. But we do know that with the rising cases, we still have tens of millions of unvaccinated people and we're seeing hospitalizations rise. 
It means our hospitals in some places are going to get overrun, but in terms of equipment, both in terms of equipment and staff. That's why we stockpiled and pre-positioned millions of gowns, gloves, masks, and ventilators. We're mobilizing an additional 1,000 military doctors and nurses and, and medics to help staff hospitals. FEMA is deploying hundreds of ambulances and EMS crews to transport patients. We've already deployed emergency response teams in Colorado, Michigan, Minnesota, Vermont, New Hampshire, and New Mexico. We're ready to provide more hospital beds as well. The bottom line is we want to assure the American people that we're prepared. We know what it takes. And as, uh, as this group of bipartisan governors has shown, we're going to get through it by working together. On All right, so you heard that, but then you hear this. State level. Look, there is no federal solution. Okay, there's no federal solution. And, and the thing is, is that Biden is just reading that off of a script. He's not even looking at the camera. He's looking at the teleprompter. He's not looking at you, the American people. He's just reading what he's been told to read. Really sad when you think about it, if you think about that. So Fauci will be the last one standing. You know, Will Cain, somebody, uh, he's kind of like the weekend guy on Fox and Friends. I, I, I love this guy. I think he's super smart. And Will Cain said this, uh, really good point that he made. And he said this about Omicron. Omicron really could be the blessing in disguise. Omicron could be the... Now, I said this. I said, basically, when you listen to Fauci, right? He's talking about the Omicron spread all through the country, whatever. You know, Vermont, for example, is not a concentrated state. It's a rural state. And yet, it's got the worst numbers you could ever imagine. So it's not just about, you know, well, that's a New York as an urban center. No, Vermont's not an urban center. Why is it that these lockdowns and mandates and draconian measures aren't working? A lot of people are making this science now and saying, what is science? When CDC comes out and says, if you test positive and we're going to change it from 10 to 5 overnight... Or they're they're saying it's no longer six feet to, to uh, distancing; it's three feet. So three feet's now okay. I don't understand this, right? I mean, why the change? Because you just know that when they came up with these things, they just arbitrarily came up with it. And Dr. Fauci was there since the beginning. But the blessing in disguise and why Omicron could be, you know, a blessing from God in terms of uh, natural remedies and cures is because not only uh, was Omicron not a problem in Africa, but it's somehow a problem here. And again, it's not a problem here. I think that they're trying to make it a problem here because it impacts, is, impacts um, well, it impacts several things. It's going to impact the uh, January 7th court, Supreme Court hearing about mandates and corporations with 100 employees or more and healthcare workers. That's number one. They're using it to exploit, you know, uh, election rules and regulations. 
So they're doing it for that. And they're doing it to control populations because they get more control when they can declare a state of emergency. So the states get all these perks. The government, governors, get all these powers that they never normally would not have. There's no justification unless it's a state of emergency. And then they can meddle in election laws. And that's the problem. That's what happened in 2020. But Omicron is a blessing in disguise in this way. It's not deadly. Yes, they say it's spreading through the country. Okay. Says you and whose army? I mean, they could be calling a common cold Omicron. They don't really have any testing going on here for this. So they're not testing it. There's no test for Omicron. The tests aren't even that accurate. Even when they do test, but not many people are testing. You could have Omicron and they'll call it COVID. You could have Delta and they'll call it COVID. You could have whatever and call it COVID. There's always going to be a different variation or strain or mutation. Because by definition, I mean, if I get a cold and I give it to you, it's going to be different than the mutation that I got when I got a cold. That's always been known. That's not rocket science. That's not new news. But from what I understand, this is sort of like, you know, when you take a, let's just say you take a uh, a molecule and you split it in half. Now the two halves are weaker independently of each other. Each, each half is weaker. You know, it's less dangerous. It's sort of like a, an army of ants versus an army of, you know, raccoons or whatever, right? I mean, they, it, it's uh, after all this mutation, basically, uh, Omicron's not as deadly. It's not, it's not killing people the way the original COVID did. That, that That's great. That's great news. But guess what you're left with after you get this non-deadly version of Omicron? Guess what you're left with? Yes, that's right. Antibodies. So now you got the Omicron, which is not deadly, no risk to your life per se. They did say this one guy in Texas that wasn't unvaccinated uh, was 55 years old, and but he had un, like three underlying conditions. So for the most part, this Omicron sweeps through the country, makes a lot of people sick, but doesn't come close to killing anybody. Hardly anybody's going to the hospital for it. And guess what? They're left with a beautiful antibody that could stay with them for life and protect you for life. To me, that's a blessing. So this Omicron could be the last hurrah or the beginning of the end for COVID. And we, we're too stupid to see it, or not we, but, but someone like uh, Fauci. Too stupid to see the positives because he doesn't have a positive bone in his body. Why? You might ask, because 
Pfizer just announced that their annual profits for 2021 are basically going on a pace of two year two years worth of profits. They've doubled their profits in one year. Pfizer, which allowed them to buy Arena Pharmaceuticals for six point seven billion dollars, which actually treats cardiovascular diseases and myocarditis. Go figure. They hedged their bets and they're going to profit even more thanks to people like Dr. Fauci basically selling the vaccine every single chance he could. I remember the same thing when Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff and all these people, they couldn't even go. If they were asked about taxes on an interview, news, they would bring up the Russian uh, situation for Trump. It wasn't even in the context of what they were on there to talk about, but they would shift it and they would talk about Russia, 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 all day, all night. And it turned out to be that that was a hoax. And we knew it. Paid for by Hillary Clinton. Again, a Democrat trying to ruin our country. But Fauci does the same thing. Almost as if he just, it's a one-trick pony. Somehow, the cronies in the pharmaceutical industries are paying him off in a way that it just, there's got to be a motivating factor. So, Dr. Fauci is on with uh, Jim Acosta. Let's take a listen to some of this. Changing these uh, recommended uh, isolation times for people who test positive for the virus uh, but don't have s- symptoms. I, gu- I guess the simple question is, why now? Well, the reason is that with the, with the sheer volume of new cases that we are having and that we expect to continue with Omicron, one of the things we want to be careful of is that we don't have so many people out. I mean, obviously, if you have symptoms, you should not be out. But if you are asymptomatic and you are infected, we want to get people back to the jobs, particularly those with essential jobs, to keep our society running smoothly. So I think that was a very prudent and good choice on the part of the CDC, which we spent a considerable amount of time discussing, namely getting people back in half the time than they would have been out so that they can get back to the workplace doing things that are important to keep society running smoothly. So basically right there, what he's talking about, is cutting the day, days of quarantine from 10 to 5. Science be damned. When did the science change? Did it just change overnight? Or did they look at the economic picture and say, we can't afford to lose any more in the polls, so we can't afford to lose any more. We have to change. So CDC just comes out. You know, Dr. Walensky comes out with the new mandate, protocols. But they're still making people wear masks. They're still, it's, it's, it's insane. Plus you have these city mayors, you know. I was just watching Fox and Friends and they said, oh, we're going to celebrate New Year's in Nashville. They're right in New York. They're in New York City where it used to be the heart of New Year's Eve. And they have to go to Nashville. You know, um, there was this. There is a uh, wrestling tournament that's supposed to go on twenty uh, eighth, 29th, and the thirtieth. I think 
It's called the Midlands. They canceled it. This thing, it, it may never come back. The Midlands is in Chicago. So they have this other wrestling tournament. And they're thinking, okay, everybody that was going to go to Midlands is going to go to this other wrestling event in Iowa. Instead, that might be a sea change. They also have another wrestling tournament at the New Year's called the Southern Scuffle. And guess what? The Southern Scuffle is going to still on. And it depends on what state you're in. And again, I don't mind the federalism aspect of it, power to the states. But we got to also have some legal recourse. There are, there's a lot of civil damages that are going on here. And that people, just like when they're censored and they spend, you know, they spend uh, thousands and thousands of man hours with staff that they pay to build out their social media only for the rug to be pulled out from underneath their feet. There's got to be protections to the consumer who invest in a YouTube channel or Twitter social media, things for their business, whatever. And the same holds true for these events where how many man hours were put into place to organize this event and to have it canceled at the last minute. That is a huge loss for somebody financially. There's got to be a recourse. There's got to be a consequence to the action. And shame on these leaders, whether it's Lori Lightfoot spending her holidays celebrating Kwanzaa with her, oh God, I don't even want to get go there. Or, you know, just so many different things. People have been, lives have been destroyed. Let's continue to listen to Fauci. Already I listen to that and I say, why is our Omicron worse than where it started in Africa? Why is Africa doing so much better than us? Fauci. And are you concerned Americans will have trouble keeping track of all of these changes, these rules that change uh, here and there? And does this boil down to just a big honor system now? No, I don't think so, Jim. I, I, I think it was a good idea to do that because what we were seeing when you have so many cases and many of the Omicron cases, interestingly, are either without symptoms or minimally symptomatic, particularly the breakthrough infections that you get when people have been vaccinated. So it just makes sense if you keep them out for five days, keep them isolated for five days, then get them back doing their job, doing their work keeping a mask on to protecting themselves from from infecting other individuals. So I don't think it's confusing. I think it's a rather crisp recommendation. And President Biden, let's talk about testing. Uh, President Biden concedes that not enough has been done to expand uh, testing capacity for COVID-19. Uh, you're saying that testing will get better in January. You know, we're almost two years into this pandemic. I mean, should we have people scrambling to drugstores, you know, from one drugstore to the next, trying to find these tests at this stage in the pandemic? Well, it should be uniform availability throughout the country. We see some regions of the country where there's no problem getting tests. And then when you have places... I think that they were trying to reduce the test to try to reduce the numbers and try to make themselves look good. 
like high demand, like you've seen in Miami and in New York, then you're starting to see the long lines. It's a combination of people concerned appropriately about Omicron, which is spreading so rapidly, as well as the fact that we're in the holiday season and people want to get tested before they start mingling with their family and their friends and traveling. So it really has made a major upsurge in demand for the tests when we already are in a situation where, quite frankly, we don't have enough tests at this particular point in time to get everybody uniformly have the availability of testing. That what, will change what considerably do? as we get into January. Well, right yeah. now, what, I mean, if you, you can't just find keep test, trying. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, Jim, you can't do the impossible. If you can't find it, you can't right. find it. You just keep trying and doing your best. But I guess the point is, is that, you know, here we are, you know, we're almost uh, we've almost lapped a year two. Should it be that way? No, it shouldn't, Jim, but it is. So we have to deal with it. Yeah, because they failed, right? They failed. He just admitted, no, we didn't deliver on our promise. And we have to make it better. And that's what the president was talking about when he said we're going to make 500 million tests available in the first couple of weeks in January. And thereafter, there will be available 200 to 500 million tests per month in the succeeding months as well as operating maybe 10,000 testing centers, having an online situation where you can order online and have tests delivered to you. That's going to significantly improve as we get into January and subsequent time. It would be great if we had it right now, but unfortunately we don't. And let's talk about vaccine mandates. Uh, you, you are, you've been saying that vaccine mandates for domestic flights should be considered, should be seriously considered. Is that something that uh, President Biden is seriously considering? Is it something that the administration is considering? No. No, what I said, uh, Jim, was that everything when, that comes up as a possibility, we put it on the table and we consider it. That does not mean that it is going to be likely to happen. Right now, I don't think people should expect that we're going to have a requirement in domestic flights for people to be vaccinated. When I was asked that question, I gave an honest answer. It's, it's on the table and we consider it. But that doesn't mean it's going to happen. I doubt if we're going to see something like that in the real. Well, that's because overnight that would crush commerce in our country, right? And so they can't, that's a bridge too far. Now, the radical socialists in Europe have decided to do that. But we couldn't do that from state to state because it would crush our economy. And so that's a bridge too far. Once again, it's not it's it's science being calculated based on commerce and common sense, but um if they did that, you know, it would it would crush business but we're seeing it no matter regardless of where wherever they could get away with it they're doing that and that's the problem reasonably foreseeable future if things get worse though is that something that it has to be uh kept uh, you know, on the table as an option we didn't expect but, omicron to you took us the like word <laughs> well well jim you, you just repeated the, the the scenario that happened when i made the answer to that question you always keep things open for consideration and you monitor things on a daily and a weekly basis. And if sometimes you have to make changes to be commensurate with the situation. You do. Right now, I don't see this being announced or happening in the reasonable future unless things change dramatically. 
And, and there isn't a conflict behind the scenes, is there, over that uh, that idea, is there? No. It's, it's, it's all about business there, right? So that's what that's about. Um, so that's a, actually a kumbaya interview right there. And, uh, you know, it's two friendly people from the same side of the aisle. I said, Fauci didn't get the memo. It's over when Africa's response to Omicron outperforms that of Western globalists. Omicron's harmless spread that gives everyone who gets it antibodies for life is a blessing, not a curse. So the other thing is, um, uh, Charlie Kirk wrote this. He said, um, well, see, Samuel Bravo said, the CDC pulled six feet out of thin air only to arbitrarily have it to three feet. Now they're having the quarantine time from 10 to 5 days in order to keep society functioning. Again, they're looking at poll numbers that are seeing their economies tank. Charlie Kirk wrote, October 23rd, 2020. Okay, that's before the election of 2020. 220,000 Americans dead and 0% of Americans fully vaccinated. So 220,000 dead. 0% 0% and I believe that number is high. I think that they were counting flu as and they were counting car accidents and gunshot wounds to the head as covid as well. But okay, we'll go with the number cuz that's what the number is listed. October 23rd, 2020, 220,000 Americans dead, 0% uh vaccinated. Joe Biden then, I'm going to shut down the virus. So December 27th, 2021, 815,000 Americans dead, 62% of Americans fully vaccinated. Joe Biden now says there is no federal solution to the virus. I give up. I cry uncle. And that's pretty sad right there. One more thing. This is a pretty good tweet here. Remember how the media lost its mind because Trump waited a day or two to issue a statement in the Charlotte in Charlottesville? Waukesha, Wisconsin, remember when the guy drove his car through the Christmas parade, had six times the deaths, and the media has not once asked Joe Biden to issue a statement. In fact, nobody's mentioned it since it happened. It's worth mentioning that. The double standards in America, folks. The hypocrisy of the left knows no bounds. But with that, you know, it brings us to the end of our uh, show today. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for the latest podcast. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. I grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.